0: This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett. Welcome back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. Today I'm joined by my very dear friend Wes Stowers. He's the chairman of Stowers Machine, Machinery Corporation. If you've um, seen a cat tractor, you've probably seen the word Stowers written on it all over the southeast and probably around the country as these cats get out everywhere. Um, the company originally had three locations in Knoxville, Chattanooga, and Johnson City. It was started in 1960 by three brothers, Bud, Dick, and Harry Stowers. West Stowers, who I'm joined with today, was Harry's son, is Harry's son. He joined the company in 1988 after a career in the Air Force. That is uh, commonly referred to the Birchett household as the uh, Tim Burchett graduation date uh, should have been 86 but I enjoyed <laughs> my college career um, his daughter Lisa has now transitioned to president and CEO leading the business into his third generation of ownership and Wes I want to thank you for joining me on Tennessee talks it's great to have you on the show and um, um,
1: let me ask you how are your wife and girls doing they're doing great I, um, of course, see my wife every day and my daughter almost every day here. And my other daughter, Rachel, lives right down the street. So um, we're very fortunate. How many grandbabies do you five have? Five of them. Whew, five. Nine through four. And, uh, again, all here in town. And uh, we see them about every week. I guess your wife loves that. Oh, we all do. I
0: bet. I bet. My dad said if he'd known his grandparent, grandkids were going to be that great, he probably would have gone with them first instead of us because we put most of those gray hairs on his head. Uh, they're special. Yeah. Before going into the machinery business, you served in the United States Air Force, and thank you for that. And you retired as a lieutenant colonel, and after you served as a fighter pilot um, and, um, and as an instructor pilot,
1: can you tell us about a little bit about that experience? Well, it was something I wanted to do really since I was a, a kid, and um, I was fortunate enough to get in the Air Force Academy and. Pilot training and uh, where'd you go to high school? Macaulay um, School in Chattanooga. Okay. I grew up in Chattanooga myself, right. and uh, but uh, in any event, um, I've got some great assignments. We spent um, uh, twelve years on active and another ten in the reserve, but uh, on active, spent about seven of those overseas and all over Europe and the Middle East, and it was a, a d- I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I bet. Uh, what was your favorite aircraft? Whichever one I was flying, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I primarily flew the F-4 Phantom, and uh, it was really? a, a great, what we would call today a third generation fighter, we're on the fifth generation day, so it's a museum piece. But yeah. It was a good machine. They were probably a uh, 40 or $50 million aircraft then, now the, the new no, ones. No, actually, believe it or not, there's about a $10 million. Dollar. Is that right? Yeah. They wow. Were, it's almost American value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, when they modified them, sometimes the modifications would be worth more than the aircraft's original purchase
0: price. And currently, you—I um, know you fly some vintage birds. Tell me what you—what you—I know you flew in on an F4U or Corsair. I guess it was maybe not an F4U. Was it F4U? Yeah, it was F4U. F4U. Um, and um, and you let me come out, and I appreciate you doing that. And my dad, of course, served in the Pacific, and he he loved those Corsairs, man. He said because they would get. Kind of hot where he was and they they'd put that napalm very close to him and um and they loved that that corsair when he saw that thing coming he knew that the enemy was in some serious trouble and you you allowed me to come out and i appreciate you for that that was a, that was a very surreal experience for me i i don't um you know I, dad's in heaven him and mom are both there with jesus but i uh i kind of felt close to him when i was at that on that you let me walk all over it and climb all over it and i appreciate that brother um can you give us an overview of stowers machinery and the work the company does And your caterpillar and and for the record i guess i should disclose this when i was in the mulch business i didn't know you um, i actually uh, i came over here and bought an it18 i remember i spent seventy two thousand five hundred dollars for that thing i thought that was all the money in the world and it was the best investment I'd made. It was the one piece of equipment that if I had a problem with, I could get fixed, but I rarely had a problem, and I treated that thing like a rented mule, and I ended up selling it, and I I, I think I almost sold it for almost what I had in it. I mean, that's just a, uh, it's it's a testament to Caterpillar, it's a testament to y'all, because you you could get to the
1: repairs and, and everything, but tell us a little bit about that. Well, we represent Caterpillar in the eastern 3rd of Tennessee, the eastern 38 counties. Uh, we got six locations now, two here in Knoxville, Chattanooga, Kingsport, uh, Crossville, and Sevierville. Um, it, basically, we sell and we rent and uh, we provide um, parts and service <coughs> support for uh, every product Cat makes. Uh, obviously, large equipment, small equipment, and uh, generators. Uh, we have a power systems division. Uh, and we part of our uh, operation is also a, a, a rental operation out west. Uh, we rent a lot of uh, obviously everything CAT has, but we rent a lot of uh, what we call allied products that CAT doesn't make: aerial equipment, booms, lifts, uh, air compressors, things like that. But what makes us function is we got a team of about 470 people, and uh, it keeps going up by the day. But uh, uh, we have a great, that's a good thing it's a great thing and we have a, we're, we're very proud of our, our of our team and uh, they're the ones that really differentiate us against our competitors
0: well and i will say this i, I walk through the shop you know you were kind enough i always like visiting local businesses in our area in the district and um you're kind of let me enough to let me walk through the shop and meet the guys that were actually turning the wrenches which i did i'd rather do that than sit well i enjoy this but you know you know and i noticed that you and your daughter i mean it was first name basis it was like a family it was a team and I, and i and that's and that, that leads to me that's a leading question but it leads me to my next question that you all managed to get through the recession in 2008 and kept most of your staff how did you do that
1: well uh first of all you know it's not going to last forever uh, right you know the is the glass half full or half empty uh, it was a rough really a rough eighteen months, but the worst part was the sudden plunge uh, but you know y- y- the worst thing you could do is uh, cut to the bone I think when people look too short uh, range on on what 's in front of them, you make bad long term decisions and uh, we wanted to keep our capabilities intact and uh, we tremendous amounts invested in people and uh, Uh, when things came back, you're going to need every one of them. And uh, then you have to look at from where they're coming from. They have families and uh, uh, mortgage payments and everything else, and uh, so we we try to calm the waters and make sure people felt secure in their jobs. Kind of, for a few months, I told them if you got to do nothing but paint lines on the floor, paint good ones. But we'll get through this, and um, and and we did. We we uh, come out stronger on the other side. We came out a lot stronger on the other side, and um, and since then we've more than doubled in the last uh, wow last well now um, fourteen years. Whew. Your
0: your dad and your uncles are in this business. Did you? Um when you're in the Air Force, looking out fighter pilot, were you thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be working over there,"
1: or was it something that just it, you just kind of eased into? Well, it's something I always thought I would be involved with. Uh, you know, I've, at some point in my life, growing up, Dad worked for Caterpillar. We're all from West Virginia, so when right. the business started in 1960, uh, uh, all I had known growing up uh, as a small child was. Was Caterpillar, and uh, growing up in the business, Dad never gave me an allowance. But uh, we didn't have some of the child labor laws we do today. <laughs> but uh, I worked in the warehouse and the And yeah, the merchants and didn't have child labor laws no, either. I loved I loved the industry, and I I love working on things. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm a. Uh, Motorhead like me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not nearly as skilled as our, our, our technicians today, but uh, I had a passion for it, and I thought at some point when my Air Force career was over, this would, uh, if there was still, uh, if we were still open, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly want to be involved. I came back here in my mid 30s, and uh, it was a great place to settle down, and raise a family, and uh, it was like putting on an old shoe. I, I felt right back in the saddle. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, you you talk about the family and the commitment to the uh, to the folks here. You have a huge commitment to East Tennessee and this community. Um, talk a little bit about that. You give back. You're one of those guys. You don't. You know, you're not always on the front lines, but I know you're involved in it, and I know you're you've you've instilled that in your girls and your and of course your wife. She's a driving force in the community. I would. I. I, I, I would sort of be hesitant about ticking you off but if i ticked your wife i think i'd just close i'd turn the lights off and just close up shop but because she's she's been great to me and and my staff you know as you well know we've got a good friendship there but tell me a little bit about your support of the community
1: well it's it's one of these things is as we all get older you see things around you get opportunities that come where you where you can help other people make a difference it's not a me or an i thing it's a we thing and there's so many good People in this community yeah. working hard, and a lot of the nonprofits, especially things that benefit kids, uh, you know, families that are under stress. Uh, Helen Ross McNabb Boys and Girls Club, uh, Boy Scouts, uh, yeah. our, our medical uh, uh, establishments here in, in this community. Uh, there are a lot of places where, if everybody does a little bit, it lifts everybody's boat. And uh, I could look at it as a you know, the, there's a thin veneer of civilization between uh, where everybody's out for themselves, where you have a sense of community and things that make the community stronger. Help! It's a great. Pl- it helps. Uh, families are what it's all about, yeah. and you got to have a good environment to raise a family. Well, well
0: said, uh, and I appreciate you. And um, and I, no kidding, the um, uh, when I see your your um, equipment out there, and I, and it, rarely if it is broke down, when I see one of your service trucks i always know that i mean those those guys are top notch whenever i had one i had equipment that wasn't even cat and they we were working on some cat stuff and then they they worked on the other stuff too they're incredibly incredibly talented and that that's a testament to you and i know you you've been involved with the trades and in um in our community as well as i have supporting that and i appreciate that because we are we're really missing the boat we don't we don't push that out there because not every kid's going to go to college and and I know a lot of welders, and I use examples of, of, of folks that diesel mechanics all the time in your shop, and that how much how much money they will make in their lifetime versus somebody maybe with just a uh, bachelor's degree in something, and it's
1: and it actually uh, it far surpasses that. So that's a really good. Well, thing. they they earn it, and they I think people get paid based on the value they provide. And uh, somebody that has some of these skills in the trades, there's going to be more demand for that, not less, in the years ahead, yeah. and. Uh, well, here's the part of the show I dislike the most, and um,
0: and I always, since it's 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 my deal, I can edit it out if you say something <laughs> unkind.
1: But um, you can ask me anything you want, anything you got. I read an article, uh, a, com- a column David Moon puts out every every week.
0: David's for Rhodes. That's why he calls me and says, I'm for Rhodes, Burchett. And every time I say I'm for Rhodes, <laughs> he's okay
1: with me, but go ahead. Well, he writes a good column every week, and... Uh, this one last week was on energy, and it, you know it's a one pager, but it nailed it. And uh, it talked about how humankind, our, our standard of living worldwide is directly proportional to the uh, access to energy people have. From 1800, 90 percent of people lived in dire poverty. Today, right. it's less than 10 percent. And um, one of the we, there's a million problems that we need to address in the country. But to me, one of the biggest ones is. We're getting to a point where people don't know where their, their stuff comes from, and electricity comes out of the wall. and uh, Chocolate milk doesn't come from… Uh, What's well, a chocolate cow?
0: Yeah, chocolate cow, I was going to say, yeah, doesn't the, come from chocolate
1: cows. Technology is a wonderful thing. Today the air is cleaner, the water is cleaner than it's been in modern <laughs> I
0: history. I gave this talk just about an hour ago. So we so. could
1: make it clean. I'm not against progress and no. technology and clean air, but I hope we can come up with a consensus uh, of how we uh, um, continue to make things cleaner uh, yep. without uh, wrecking our standard of living and our economy. I, I, I think
0: capitalism will drive that. I've always said, you know, if you can figure out what to do with a, an old tire, you're going to be the next Gates. So and funny you talk about the environment. You know, I'm, I'm an, I got a little farm and we don't use any chemicals. I mean, I use chemicals, you use horse manure. You know, that's our chemical. But it works pretty well. Yeah, it works really well. But it, um, but uh, all kidding aside, and I, I would talk about how that, um, when I was a kid, we would drive to um, Church Street United Methodist, the five of us, and in our little VW, it's 1964, blue VW Bug, the five of us, probably no seat belts. My dad was probably smoking a pipe. And uh, we'd have the windows rolled down, of course and we'd drive by Robert Shaw. And if they were making plexiglass, you would have to roll up your windows because it would literally burn your eyes and make your nose run. And of course, now you do something like that, you'd be put in jail. And, and people talk about how we're wrecking the environment, but the reality is it's much better. There are more trees now um, in this country than there were 200 years ago. Um, and you just go down the list. And I, I, you know, I've, I've tried to push legislation for using things like plastics and asphalt um, when we, you know, if oil gets uh, looking for a use for it, there's a use for it, and I just think that, um, that we can. I agree with you. I think too many times we'll um, uh, we'll 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 need to get a mineral or something out of the ground, and then some uh, environmental group will swoop in and say, "Oh wait, that's a historical area. We can't or whatever they call it monument area or whatever," and then come to find out they were lobbied by a group that. The uh, environmental group that probably had some foreign funds in it that had those access to things like coal and other things that are overseas. And the Chinese um, and the Indians, I guarantee you, they're not. Uh, they, I think China's putting on a new coal plant about every, I think it's about every 20 days. And, um, and it's about 1950s technology. And we are just cutting our nose off to spite
1: our face. Well, everything comes out of the ground in some form or fashion. You grow it or you buy it. And yep. From that, you end up having to make it. And, uh, w- technology is a wonderful thing. We're gonna. I think we'll be driving electric cars. There's gonna be all kinds of. Uh, but we're not there yet. No, we're not, and we gotta have a way to as, make the. As, as
0: our mutual friend Teddy Phillips says, I'm still going with diesel until they tell me I can put a solar panel on my on my cat tractor. So uh, yeah, I, I just think we're. Uh, And I think capitalism will get us there. Mm -hmm. But I think government too many times, um, you know, we're saying we're going to tell these poor folks they can't have a gas stove, or they're not going to heat with gas. It's one of the cheapest, most efficient forms of of fuel to get out of the ground. It's easy, and and it's clean, and it it burns clean, and, um, you know, and they say, well, we need solar and windmill. Well, there's not enough flat roofs, there's not enough wind. And the technology just isn't there. uh less than five percent of the vehicles in the country right now are solar i, I mean I, or electric i think it's really less than four if we get to 12 percent we'd have blackouts well, they do in california and they do in california and they have blackouts and exactly You can't charge your car you can't and uh, that's exactly right and there's eight different adapters and it takes eight hours you know my wife and daughter uh, d- uh, Isabel's that, a barrel racer, and they run down the street in that big Dodge Diesel with those uh, hauling those horses in that trailer. I don't want them off the side of the road somewhere for eight hours filling up at some government-run facility. So anyway, I, um, I appreciate you. I could go on for hours about that, you know how I'm about that. But I thank you, Wes, for joining me today, and I thank you for the great work you do here in East Tennessee. One more fist bump. Thank you. And I'm Congressman Tim Burch, and I want to thank you all for listening to or watching another episode of Tennessee Talks. Thank you all for sending me here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.